Hi, and welcome back to the Big C Church Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Ward, and we are in a series on pastors and power. Um, And today we're going to be talking about uh, power and female pastors or female pastor and power. And so with me, my guest is my friend and my pastor, Katie Fowler. Katie is a co-pastor with her husband at Nova Church here in Denver, where my husband and I attend um, and uh, has become a friend through that process, fellow leader, um, love talking with her. So Katie, I'm so glad you are on my podcast Thanks, Angie. Thanks for having me. Um, and I have to laugh and point out to everybody that I'm doing this in my <laughs> studio, which is in my 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 um, guest bedroom turned office, and Katie's at my dining room table just down the steps for for the sake of reliable internet. Yeah, I was like, thanks for having me, literally, yeah, into your home. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Help yourself. The fridge is right behind you if you need anything. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. If I, need, if I need a snack. Yeah, um. yeah, exactly. I'm sure with three boys, you just have mostly fruit snacks and goldfish. So we might have some better stuff, actually. Oh, high quality. Yeah, nice. yeah. We'll, we'll let you raid the pantry on your way out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I told you we're talking about pastors and power. And I just want to um, hear your story. Um, you share about your experience and understanding of power as a female pastor. So... You can share a little bit if you want about kind of your your journey to becoming a pastor or and also as part of that like um where have you suddenly realized i have power here i don't have power here just what has that looked like for you yeah so i do think as a woman in leadership i do think i have to start with my story around even pursuing ordination mm-hmm. and, and that process and i remember one of my good friends i remember him saying one time you know, he suddenly was realizing for a lot of the women around him, a lot of his colleagues, that part of their call story had to include wrestling with, can I even do this Mm -hmm. as a woman? That was a question, not all, but for a lot of women. Am I allowed? Not am I capable, but am I allowed? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Is this even open to me? Yeah. Right. So I, I mean, I grew up, my story kind of, you know, grew up in a Christian home. Uh, Part of that time was in a church, part of a denomination that did not allow women in leadership. So I just didn't see it. Like I remember going to like five and I went with my dad to a church. We were visiting and there was a woman preaching. And I literally remember walking out with my dad, five-year-old Katie. And I was like, a woman pastor. That's weird. You know? And my dad was like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't see it. Even when we became part of a church that celebrated women in leadership, there wasn't a woman serving as a pastor. Hmm. I'm sure there are women who were elders, but I didn't see that, you know? So for me, a lot of it was, uh, I didn't have the imagination for it. And as I was in college and I was starting to feel called into vocational ministry, I was discovering gifts. I was feeling more and more kind of alive in that setting. I had to really wrestle with, am I allowed? Can I do this? And I was in context that pretty decidedly said no. (laughs) And I had some context that said Yes. So I had to wrestle through that even as I was feeling more and more called to pursue it. So I graduated from undergrad, was feeling led to go to seminary. But at that point, I would have said, no, I I can't be a pastor. I wouldn't have even said I wanted to be a pastor. Mm. And again, that goes, I think, to that imagination. I just didn't I didn't think I look like the pastors that I see. I couldn't uh, imagine that. And I probably honestly had something to do with maybe my discomfort with stepping into 
places of power. I definitely would not have been able to name that yeah. then. Yeah. Um, but I think as my journey unfolded uh, through seminary, graduated, went to Fuller in Pasadena, graduated, moved to Colorado Springs, was working in like a teaching church fellowship program. Uh, lovely opportunity to be mentored and coached. And it was the first time I was ever in a local church setting mm -hmm. where women and men were serving and leading side by side on a pastoral staff. So, I so never had you developed any imagination during your time at Fuller? Had that started to open up? It, it did, but it was always, um, what well, was it? It was a journey. So like my first year I was seeing women who were clearly gifted and called and had done their own wrestling and, and were trying to be faithful to Jesus as they're trying to figure out uh, what does this look like? Uh, and so part of my journey was, okay, that's great for you. Mm -hmm. I so clearly see what God is doing, but it took, a f it took my whole time at Fuller mm -hmm. to be okay with me stepping into those, those roles and those places. And, and it really was when I got out of seminary and was in a local church where I was seeing it mm -hmm. day in and day out and where I had coaches and mentors who were like, no, we see this in you. Uh, that was kind of the final piece, you know, that I needed not just the scriptural understanding, but the community around yeah. uh, naming that and calling that forth. Uh, but for the next, um, you know, I was there a little over 10 years um, serving director role and then associate pastor role. So I think even in those settings, um, I didn't always have to deal directly with the question of, I should have, but I didn't see the need to maybe. Um, and honestly, I think for a while, I thought power was just a bad word. Hmm. Um, I thought it was just, don't because power is misused or power is uh, whatever that, and it really was people like Andy Crouch that kind of helped redeem that word for me of, no, this is a gift and it can be steward uh, well, um, but it's not automatically a bad, a bad thing. Yeah. Well, so talk tell a little bit more about that. So you're on staff at a church, you're starting to, I mean, you have some authority, I would think by your position, but um, like, did you notice any difference then or even now, like I know you're part of a network of pastors in Denver. I mean, how how do you sense any or do you sense any differences and how between the men and, and what you've experienced? Yeah. yeah, I think early on in my time, once I was ordained, I was ordained in 2011. So stepping into that pastoral role, I mean, I remember even some of my colleagues and coworkers, I mean, they, I think they started to name for me, it feels like pastors get to do what they want mm -hmm. in our system almost um and and don't have to check in with as many people or go through all the same channels that we have to go through for something to happen mm -hmm. and i remember being on an off-site retreat with two of the people that i supervised these two women that i just adore and respect so much and they started to name that mm -hmm. and how painful that was for them so that was probably when my first really eye-opening of like oh I'm in a different position of power and it's hurting people mm. when that is not named and recognized. Um, so that was an early lesson from these two women that I worked with. And that was more about the role of pastor more than gender, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. The way that pastors kind of operated yeah. within our church yeah. system. Yeah. Uh, um, so um, where do you feel like 
I don't know if you've read Mary Kate Morse's book about power or anything. Um, uh, I'll, I recommend it. I put it. I'll put it in the show notes. And then I've added to your Amazon wish list. You know, I'm known for you. you we talk about that. How your yes. list gets bigger. Um, I walk away from a coffee with you with yeah three books to buy. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Um, uh, so, where are you aware that you have power or authority um, in your ministry? Like, how much is role? Where else does it come from? Yeah. So for me, probably right now, one of the places that I'm most aware of is in our context, um, a lot of um, our ministry, a lot of our community is made up of folks who have been hurt or harmed by the church in the past. Um, and, And maybe like in very deeply traumatic ways, or maybe even like this happened to my friend or just in a broader sense, I see what's happening in the church in America, whatever it is. And so I think for me, uh, that awareness right now of the words that I say or the way, (laughs) the way that I show up in a, with or without a listening posture or whatever it is that carries such weight with people who have been harmed by the church. And as I show up as a pastor, uh, what a, like, what a critical role that is. And, and it really, really matters. I think I've just been in situations and conversations where I'm just very aware of whatever comes out of my mouth next. It is said, it is heard, it is received. Mm. A pastor is saying this to me. Um, so just very aware of that and the, and the kindness I want to offer and the compassion and where I need to check myself. If there's a, 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 a want to be like, well, not all pastors or not all churches are like that, you know, yeah. to be able to uh, really receive and hear someone's story, recognizing that I think my words could hurt yeah. uh, even more so maybe than someone else from our community that's hearing their story just because of the role yeah. that I occupy. So, I mean, the word that's coming to mind is presence. Um, and I mean, um, as one of the things like uh, just sitting with people in that. What about like in uh, the networks in Denver or the denomination, the system that you're in, which is a fully, uh, you know, egalitarian denomination. Um, So like, do you feel like you carry equal weight in those spaces or accorded equal weight? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think within our denomination, um, there is an awareness of, uh, here's how far we've come as a denomination that is saying we are decidedly egalitarian. Like we celebrate um, the new creation that Jesus is bringing about uh, now, not yet, but we experience it in part now. And part of that is the healing of relationships between men and women and the way that uh, we lead together. So fully celebrates that. Um, and we see like, well, okay, most um, senior pastors within our denomination are, are men or the different statistics that like they'll name and say, here's where we are and here's where we want to be. So we know the work that is needed. Um, so in a broad sense, um, I do feel there is space um, to, to lead as a woman. I think when you get into kind of the, the individual congregations or individual the kind of the more micro you see um, where there's like the stained glass ceiling or where there's those, those places of um, resistance. Yeah. Do you, um, you know, you talked about your power as a pastor and a lot of it is in the pastoral ministry, but what about congregationally uh, at Nova and you're actually co-pastoring a, uh, the kind of the mothership church right. without going into much detail. I mean, right. have, and you and Chuck were called together. Like, right. do you ever feel like, 
um, you were just uh, treated as his coattails. Or there's been times I talk about when I go to like a car, I love cars. I love um, when it's yeah. time to buy a car or like, I um, love talking cars. But when my husband and I walk into a car lot, they immediately go to Dave. Yep. And, and yep. he would be like, you're, you're talking the wrong person, you know, but there's these assumptions made. Yeah. I think that happens uh, maybe a little bit, a, a little bit um, overall. I feel like Chuck and I are able to show up as, as truly as partners. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of our unique setting where I was ordained in 2011 and Chuck was ordained in 2019. Um, and so I'm curious of if that was flipped, if he was coming in with a lot more pastoral experience than I was. Yeah. Um, I wonder if some of the dynamics would, would feel a little different. Um, I'm curious about that part of it where he, I think he felt as like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is my first, you know, first call. Like he was trying to figure out. And I mean, I, I did too. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, planning a church. But I think some of our particular story uh, maybe um, put us a little bit more on level ground than maybe in other settings would have allowed. Yeah. What about as you and Chuck have, you said you, you know, fully show up as a, as a team and a partnership. How did that work itself out? Was there, were there speed bumps or what kind of key conversations were there in that journey? Um, I think yes. Yes to speed yes, bumps. Yes, there were. Okay. Um, and, and some of that is just, it was the, uh, the whole thing, right? Like, so we are, we were in Colorado Springs, which is an hour south of Denver. Mm -hmm. um, we moved to Denver to to plant Nova. We're also pastoring um, the, the kind of sending church. And so a lot of it was I went from a large established church where I felt like I, I, I know I can create a program. I, I feel like the, the way I describe it is um, I grew up playing softball, always thrown right-handed. Okay, I can do it showed up in Denver to plan a church, um, to do ministry in a different way. And I felt like I was trying to learn how to throw left handed yeah. and it was awkward. <laughs> it was clumsy and I'm sure it looked awkward and it looked clumsy. And as you know, Enneagram three, I don't want to look awkward. Yeah. I don't want to look clumsy. I want to be able to throw it, you know? So for me, <laughs> it took me a while to realize how I had so much like anxiety and, and stress and that was spilling out um, onto Chuck mm. and, and just in, in our home life. And it just took me a while to figure out um, what was going on within me um, that, that I think was creating some of the speed bumps in the beginning as we're trying to navigate, like we're having a simple conversation and I'm just not attentive at that point of, oh, there's anxiety is rising up in me. And then as we continued on being able to, to learn how to name that, I think that little things too, like we moved with, a two-year-old and a six-month-old, and we were trying to uh, work together with no childcare. And so we're just, you just think about that setting yeah. of trying to have a pastoral yeah. meeting with, you know, this kid. Like, so just little things that we were learning, like, no, we need to do a better job taking care of ourselves in terms of therapy, in terms of spiritual direction, all those things. And we need to, we need to have help with childcare. Just those, all those little things that took us kind of a while to figure out yeah we're not just going to step into this and, and know what we're doing and that's okay. And I, we, we can, some of the power, you know, is, is that actually better <laughs> to show up in vulnerability and weakness yeah. and from that place lead? So yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of us just trying to figure out this is kicking up a lot. Yeah. These stressors, this anxiety is kicking up a lot within us and learning to dig more and more into our own story 
and participate in the healing work that God is doing in us and putting a priority on that as a leader and not simply I can throw right-handed and I can create Mm -hmm. a program, you know? Yeah. Wow. Um, have you ever been in any situation where, um, someone else with, uh, either a, a man or somebody else with power has just kind of, um, you felt small or made, you know, yeah. was made to feel small. Tell me about if you've had any situations like that and, and what you learned from that. Yeah, that's a great question. Okay. So I'm sure there's that's why I'm many. Because I asked a great question. <laughs> you, man, you have a great kitchen. I you right, exactly. questions. <laughs> um, probably many, but the first thing that came to my mind was I was um, at a regional kind of like a citywide gathering of missional leaders and uh, practitioners and thinkers. And they had a segment where they invited various folks just to share their kind of like two minute, whatever the prompt was. Some, what has God been teaching you? How have you seen Christ at work? I don't remember. And so I was standing um, kind of um, off to the side to go out on onto stage uh, onto the stage and share. And there was an older gentleman who I, I honestly can't remember his name, not that I would name check him, but he was some sort of like a prominent author speaker, you know? And I just remember as I was waiting to go out, he just started talking to me as if I had never been on a stage or as if I had never spoken. Like he started giving me like tips and how to like, uh, whatever it was, whatever. And I just remember thinking like, Oh, you were making so many like assumptions you it felt very demeaning it felt very um you're not expecting me to to have something to say yeah you're not expecting me to be able to um walk out and and share uh what i've seen god doing or whatever it was and it was hurtful i mean i think i continue to be um, hurt by those moments Mm -hmm. of uh and that again it always comes back to our story of yeah where i felt unseen or just those things like uh, i made to feel yeah small, like you said. Yeah. Dave yeah. and I talk about this, um, you know, like if I've taught or something and then there's some people kind of all just nice speech, little lady, you know, kind of yeah, thing. Like, yeah. like yeah. wow, you really did it. Yeah. 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 You were coherent. I know. Great. Right. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Zach Galifianakis, the comedian, um, he does some, he had a stand up bit one time where he's talking about his girlfriend was doing, um, her dissertation on like, gender women something something you know he said i read it's pretty good for a girl (laughs) (laughs) yep i had one time someone came up to me uh after i preached i think and they were like normally i find women's voices really hard to listen to but i could listen to yours and i was like thanks thanks yeah thanks and another time i had someone say something like you used scripture in your sermon like you're surprised (laughs) by that this is the bar. Right. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Have there been times, uh, so those been times where you felt kind of demeaned or just not valued. Have there been times where you've been outright blocked or like almost people Mm -hmm. have turned their back? Like we've heard about Beth Moore teaching and people stood up and turned their back or left, you know? Yep. 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 So a very, uh, formative, um, story in my, in my seminary years, I was working at a church that particular church was fairly um, kind of ambivalent on women and leadership. They were part of an association of churches that were ambivalent. And I was the youth pastor there. I was ambivalent on women and leadership at this point. I think it was my second year in seminary. and uh, But I also felt called to preach. And the 
had like an opportunity as like the youth Sunday. I did like the youth Sunday. I was like, I was like, okay, that's okay. It's youth Sunday. Like whatever Paul is saying in scripture, youth Sunday is, is fine, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the, the lead pastor, he went out of town. And so I was going to preach and there was a gentleman there. Uh, it was a smaller, smaller congregation. There was a gentleman there who there was kind of the, the rumors of he's not in favor of women mm-hmm. being in leadership. He's not okay with it. And so I showed up, it was Thanksgiving weekend, um, show up to preach and, uh, I was kind of greeted with, from, I think one of the leaders and he was like, Hey, we think so-and-so we think he might do something. That, that was, particular person, that particular guy, we think he might, we might do something. I was like, what do you, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm 23 at the time. Yeah. And I'm like texting people back home from Florida. I'm like, Hey, pray for me. They think this guy might do something. And so we go into the service and I'm sitting there and it's my time to get up to preach. And this, this gentleman, gets to the front. Uh, he turns, he says, sorry, Katie, change of plans. And then he proceeds to say all of his reasons why women should not be allowed to preach. The interesting thing was wow. he was not, you, you couldn't really understand what he was saying. It wasn't very uh, coherent or audible. And so one of the leaders of the church starts making his way forward. And I am like, okay, thank God. Yeah. They're going to tell him you can't interrupt. Point. Well, I'm, I'm sitting okay. I'm front row, just kind of like the, you know, the song's about to end. Right, right. I'm ready. Time to go. Yeah. So he, the leader of the church starts going forward. I'm like, okay, great. You can't do this. You can't disrupt a worship service. You know, I've been tasked with preaching. So the leader of the church gets to the front, gets to the gentleman who's sharing his reasons why women should not be allowed to preach. And the leader comes up and he adjusts his mic so that he can be heard better throughout the auditorium. The leader just said, let me fix your mic. For the guy who so was speaking hear up against you? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I just remember I had this dear friend oh, from wow. seminary. He came to support me and he just like reached over, like holds my hand, oh. you know, through this. So the guy leaves, he walks out with his wife and I go forward. And I, these are the, the things I remember. I remember wow. him saying, sorry, Katie, change of plans. And then I got up and I said, you need to know I come up here with fear and trembling. Like I don't take this lightly, this, this being tasked to speak for God to, to preach. Right. Um, and again, at that point I was not fully women should be allowed to preach. Yeah. So so I'm Um, sure it's going like, you're going, yeah, maybe you're right. Uh, well, that's the thing though, is I don't think I thought Mm. that. I think I, I was like, God is for me Mm. in this moment. And so as I looked back on that experience, even like that weekend, like that Thanksgiving weekend, as I'm processing what just happened, I felt like, okay, God was for me in that moment. God was not ready to like strike me down with a bolt of light. You know, like I I was, so that was actually a really important part of my story of, okay, what do I do with that? And what hurt the most was the lack of support from the leadership of that church. So more the guy who adjusted the mic. Right. And the aftermath yeah, where it was never really addressed. Yeah. It was never really, you know, I'm so sorry that happened. That's not okay. Or, 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 or dealing with this, this guy, like that never really happened. Um, so that was really the, the more painful part. But as far as my own understanding of call, that was actually a really key yeah. experience of, I think God was for me yeah, you, as I got up to preach. Deeply rooted sense. Wow. In the midst of that. Yeah. Um, public. Wow. How would you, you said Andy Crouch has helped, uh, uh, help you understand power. How do you understand it or define it now? Yeah. 
Well, I think I would go back to, you know, some of Andy Crouch's stuff around, you know, that we are called to make something beautiful of God's world with God and that, that power, that, that agency, that ability uh, to do so, to make something beautiful. And in the way that that is, you know, that does require that, that vulnerability that we get in trouble when those get separated or divorced, um, but that the agency, the ability uh, to, to, to create, uh, to join with God and what God is doing. So um, uh, let's talk also about power dynamics, like the differential, yeah. like, uh, and, and, and um, uh, so in the light of your understanding of like that agency, how does that work when there's like a power dynamic or is, is there a differential or how does, how does that, your understanding of power fit into that, the idea of power mm -hmm. dynamics? Yeah, I think for me, that is something that I'm slowly uh, realizing I need to wrestle with. I, I think, I don't know how true this is. I want to hear you. I want to flip. Okay. I want to hear your take on this. Of As a woman, um, what does it look like to recognize um, where I have power and where the power differ differential is, where if I haven't, as maybe as women, we haven't always had that seat at the table or been able to, to, to lead and exercise the power that God is calling us to exercise. So I, I guess I'm saying for a long time, I almost maybe skirted it, no pun intended, uh, as a woman of like, I don't, I didn't maybe see the need as much because I was a little bit more, we are a little bit more of a marginalized voice. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm like, oh, wait, okay, now I've been a lead pastor for four years, uh, working so much with folks who have been deeply harmed by the church, like this, this way of like, yeah, sure. It may be different than Chuck, my husband who shows up as a white man, uh, that there's a difference there, but certainly as a white woman, how do I recognize, reckon with that and recognize that? And so I think, you know, through like some mutual friends, Matt Tebby and Ben Sturkey yep. and like, just realizing like, yeah, it is a little bit different how I show up as a woman who's a pastor. I think that it, that does matter. I feel it even in, you know, in our context, uh, a lot of folks are very skeptical of the church. And I think when Chuck says I'm a pastor, mm -hmm. that hits differently yeah. than when I say I'm a pastor yeah. uh, to our neighbors, to, you know, whoever it is. Like yeah. there's a, there's a difference there um, because of the way power has been used by white men yeah. in that office. Um, but so I want to hear you. What would you say as far as yeah, the power um, differential? Yeah. And, and um, you know, I was telling you, and I'll tell those who are listening, Matt and I uh, had a conversation as part of the same series, and we were talking about um, pastors and friendships and just that there's a, a power dynamic that's at play, not even uh, intentionally. So, and I was sharing on that, that, um, so, you know, we, my, I'm married to a pastor, so we've been in pastoral ministry and I've been, the pastor's wife, but there's this like this power distance people ascribe to us, even when we've tried to be just Dave and Angie. And so it was after, oh gosh, 16, 20, 25 years of ministry, uh, you know, like five different churches, um, but our last one in Indiana, toward the end of our time there, where I realized that when Dave and I are inviting people over or inviting them to join our small group, um, some, some go, oh, I want to be in the group because it's the pastor's group. Uh, and so it's like, it's part of our, 
there's something with the role that either they're attracted to or afraid of, like you said, if Chuck yeah. says I'm a pastor. Yeah. Um, and some people, when I say come over to our house, they're going, I'm going to the pastor's house. And yeah. so even when I'm trying to minimize that, yeah. there's this uh, kind of thing. But then I, I was, it's like, it's like, oh, you're the pastor's wife or you're only the pastor's wife. So sometimes yeah. I've had, yeah. I'm a yeah. leader in my own right. And I haven't had a voice because, well, you're the pastor's wife. And you shouldn't or, you know, or we just don't know what to do with you kind of thing. So those are a couple of them. But I mean, happy to answer if you have another question around that. Well, what do you think about that idea of, okay, like as a white woman, Mm -hmm. um, the way that you might deal with or or reckon with um, the power differential, are there different questions? Is there different, is there a difference between, um, some of your male colleagues, you know what I mean? Uh, yes, I, I think so. And I, and yes, I think so. Um, so, uh, I think I've had to learn more how to lead from the margins. Um, and so that's something I think I can find some commonality with people of color, other women, um, for, you know, for my book, I am a leader when I talk to like 50 different women and including uh, women of, you know, uh, color and just different backgrounds. The the thing that they felt more held by, back by most of those women was not their color. It was their uh, being female. Yeah. Um, yeah. So am I getting close to your question or keep going? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I just wonder too, I, I wonder both as a woman, but then also just personality. And um, again, as Enneagram three, like that whole imposter syndrome. Yeah. Uh, like how do I reckon with power when I am afraid of it? Yeah. I, I just wonder what all of the questions that go into yeah. it. Like I remember years ago um, in our denomination, we have different, you know, we have a Presbytery and there's different teams. And I was asked like, Hey, would you lead this team? And I remember genuinely being like, there is no way I am qualified to lead this team. And now I look back and I'm like, Oh child, like you were, you're, you're fine. You know what I mean? Like, but in the moment I was like, you're asking me to lead. Like, I can't do this. I'm not equipped for that. And I was, you know, I was on staff as a pastor and all these things. Right. So I, I guess just, uh, wondering, curious about if I'm new to, okay, all the ways I need to reckon with power as a woman who's a pastor. Yes, it looks different than my husband. Yeah. But what what are what are the differences and what are the questions? Yeah. Uh, I think to, to wrestle some with. Of it, I mean, um, and I've done a workshop before about uh, for women like how to be the most powerful person in the room and like where mm-hmm. uh, just kind of some leadership theory about where people get power from or are ascribed power. You know, um, I think um, mine comes from primarily the presence, like you talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some in some of the spaces I'm at, like at Denver Seminary and the, the Academy, um, and with a lot of men, it's because uh, I have a PhD. So yep. I could have had the same yep. ideas, but a PhD validates them yep. um, in yep. some way. Yep. Um, so I think there's, yep. there's that piece as well. And another thought, but I'm 53 and it went out the window. So maybe it's downstairs mm-hmm. in the kitchen. Send it back up okay. if you find it. Uh- I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, I was on this team around, um, ordination, ordination candidates within our denomination. And I remember like there'd be people who would wrestle with, do I really need to be ordained to do what I want to do? What God's called me to do, especially in a post-Christian context. Is that more of a, 
um, uh, obstacle to connecting with people. And I remember, especially with some of the women kind of like, Hey, this actually like you being ordained, um, if God's calling you to this, uh, that actually uh, could be a help in ministry yeah. to be able to say, have rev in front of your name when it comes to yeah. uh, where you might be able to, to lead and serve as a woman. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think actually I, it, it came back up to me. So thanks for sending that idea. You know, you said you were, you were asked to lead some things and teams and, and you were uh, like imposter syndrome or I'm not ready. Um, I think I had some of the opposite um, where where I was like, I can do this. Why won't you let me do this? Um, I, I've just kind of realized I, mm-hmm. I want the ball in my hands when the game is on the line. Yeah. Um, yep. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I'm, I'm I, gifted to have the ball in my hands. Yes. Yes. Um, and a lot of times, even more now, as I get older and have some, you know, I don't know, gravitas that people give to me, like, um, like I'm, I'm called and invited yeah. You know, it's wrong for me to to take the ball from someone or to hog it. But um, and so it was always like, uh, like, I'm a I'm a game changer that's not allowed to be in the game mm-hmm. because of because I'm a woman. Yeah. Well, and I remember like I remember hearing someone say a younger person that I was talking to a guy and he said something like, I feel called to be a senior pastor. Mm. And this was early, earlier mm. on in his um, ministry. And I was just so struck by that because I don't think early on those words would ever come out of my mouth. But I also just, I'm curious of if they came out of the mouth of any woman, <laughs> would those around have a sort of like, oh, you're supposed to be humble. You're, you're not supposed yeah. to want that position. You're not supposed to like claim it for yours. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just felt so easy for this guy to say it. And I felt like it would be really hard. Yeah. For a lot of women yeah. to, to own it at 24 or however how old yeah, it was. For sure. Yeah, I was going to ask, how, how have you noticed or have you noticed um, the gravitas or the weight of, according to you? Has that changed uh, as you've gotten older, as you've gotten married, as you've had kids? The gravitas uh, well, that I feel or well, this like is youth, Yeah, that, that you feel or that people have given you. So in youth ministry, uh, you know, once I got married, oh, then now you understand. Oh, once you have kids, oh, now you understand. You know, so there's this, um, certainly we're yeah. getting older and more mature, hopefully, and and growing and understanding more. But I think people go, oh, what do you know? You're you're just, you're just 24. You're just single. You don't even have, whatever. You're just a, you're yeah. just a whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. Have you noticed that in your journey or not? I don't, I mean, I don't think I felt it. I don't know if I was just oblivious. So I was ordained when I was 28, graduated from seminary when I was 25, ordained 28, mm-hmm. married when I was 30, um, almost 31. And I, I do remember, actually, I really liked the fact that I was an ordained single woman, mm-hmm. uh, just because of the way that singles in the church get marginalized and all those things that, like, as if you have to be married. Right. Um, I really enjoyed uh, pushing back against that narrative. And then, uh, when we, when we got married, once we had kids, um, Chuck was stay at home dad while I worked full time at the church. And I really enjoyed pushing back against that narrative of what it has to look like and all those things. So people might've had those projections. I don't, I don't remember being very aware of that, of uh, a sort of, uh, diminishing because I was single or married without kids or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. 
What would you tell, uh, you know, we've got seminary residents, interns at our church. So what do you tell them, the women that we have on staff? Yeah. You know, do you yeah. talk about this with them or what would you tell them about this whole idea of uh, uh, power as a pastor, as a woman? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for sure with Nova Church, one of the um, the big ways we feel called uh, to be part of God's kingdom in our, our little neck of the woods is to be a place where women and men are serving and leading together and women, uh, you know, being so close to Denver Seminary, a, a local church where women can have um, opportunities to grow in their pastoral competencies and skills and all those things. So that's huge for us. I think, you know, early on with different women that I work with, a lot of it is um, hearing their story and understanding what it's been like for them to be a woman um, in a church setting or in a seminary setting. Uh, but certainly even as a staff, as we have conversations about, um, okay, great, we're egalitarian, but what does that look like yeah. um, and, and practice? And, and where are the maybe things that we bump up against that we're not even aware of? So some early conversations we've had around that, some ongoing conversations we need to have around that of uh, what are things that we're just not even aware of right now yeah. uh, or blind spots that we want to, I think because um, Chuck and I are lead pastors, um, like when you come to visit Nova, uh, you really can't avoid um, that we celebrate women and men leading together, yeah. right? Because it's not, you know, my old church as associate pastor, I would preach maybe, you know, six times a year, whatever it was. Uh, so in this context, uh, it's, it's way more visible, um, the upfront presence, yeah. at least, yeah. of women. Um, and certainly within our staff, I mean, we, we say that we ask people where, you know, are you going to be okay with a woman being your supervisor yeah. uh, and having that conversation with um, the men and the women uh, before they come on to our team, yeah. just because it's not necessarily what most are used to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you and Chuck, as, as you were dating and stuff uh, and um, called to minister, you know, you, you were very clear in your call. He was, uh, I guess, was he in seminary or done at that point when you guys... When we got married, about two months later, he started seminary. Okay. So did you together go, we're going to be co-pastors or did you, how did you settle on that? Because Dave and I, I don't know that we could do that, you know, but we always yeah. like, fine, yeah. like, well, then how can we both fulfill yeah. what we've called to do leadership wise? And yeah. Yeah. So early on, you know, so Chuck, his family, there's like, pastors on every branch mm. of the family tree. Like he just grew up his, you know, grandpa, dad, uncle, all the, all these. Um, and he also grew up, um, in a context that did celebrate women in leadership. And so that was just part of his story. Um, when we started dating, I think the question of seminary was on his mind. Mm. He actually got coffee with one of my colleagues, um, before we started dating, he got coffee, uh, with my friend Joe. And he said, Joe, I want to talk about seminary. Chuck said, I'm interested in seminary. I want to get your take. So they had coffee. They talked through possibilities. Chuck's trying to discern a seminary next. And at the end of the coffee, Chuck was like, by the way, do you think I can ask Katie? Like, do you think it'd be okay if I asked Katie on a date? Yeah. And Chuck and Joe's like, oh, okay. That's what this, this is about. Is, yeah, so there was kind of this, you know, parallel as he's figuring out his, his vocational calling and as we're kind of moving towards dating and all those things. Um, so for us, we always would say we would love to serve together one day. We would love to be co-pastors one day. Yeah. We just didn't know when that would happen, 
um, if that could happen. And I was in a place, you know, where I was irrespective of Chuck, where I was starting to wonder, okay, what's next? Where I was starting to feel like God was calling me into a different setting. And so I feel like if Chuck was a plumber, I, I mean, whatever his, his, his place would have been, I was starting to feel like God was calling me elsewhere. And so we're starting to look and we would often say to, you know, the search committee, um, are you open to a clergy couple? And it was fascinating even to hear the different takes on that. There, there would be some churches that were like, uh, no, we won't hire um, a husband and wife. Um, we, we've done that before, didn't go well or whatever. It was fascinating to see where it just wasn't possible or they'd be like, well, we've never done that, but maybe we could explore that. And so sometimes we would just sort of ask what else is around? Like if I were, you know, it was mostly it would be me who was, who was interviewing and pursuing. Um, I think maybe every time it was. And so we would also ask, is there anything else on staff? Yeah. Uh, and we weren't seriously, some of those moves, we weren't seriously uh, considering them. So we didn't have to go too deep into that conversation. Uh, but wondering, yeah, what else is around um, in that city, in that context, ways that Chuck could um, get a job. Um, but then this opportunity came up in Denver where they were wanting someone to come pastor an existing church, but really focus on planting a new church. And early on, the idea was, well, what if a clergy couple mm. came and did this? Yeah. Um, and so I remember the first meeting, like they hadn't, they didn't have job description. I mean, it was so early on in their discernment process as a, as a church. And me and Chuck were like, yes, yes, please. Yeah. Can we send in our resume? Like it just felt like such a perfect opportunity for us. So it came much sooner than we thought it would, yeah. the opportunity to lead together. Um, but that was hope we were hoping for it. Yeah. And it was, um, it was, sounds like it was mutual. I mean, the congregation was thinking along those lines. You didn't have to try to sell them on the idea. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Well, I, for one, I'm glad that God brought you up to Denver mm-hmm. and that that's how uh, we connected our paths and, and for the opportunity to, to chat and, and, um, learn from you in this conversation and, and just serve together with you in ministry. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah. 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 Ditto. Um, anything I didn't ask you that you want to say about this topic? Yeah. You know, I just was thinking about the article that I just sent you yeah. the other day that was talking about, you know, the decline of the church in America and, uh, the increase of women in ordained roles, the increase of women in uh, attending seminary. And it was raising this question of, is this actually like, uh, what is needed for this moment mm-hmm. for the church? In America. And so I feel like those questions of, you know, these are broad stereotypes. So forgive me, listener, but maybe the way yeah, that women show yeah. up, um, uh, collaborative approaches to leadership, um, offering presence, like the things you were starting to allude to earlier of the way that we uh, might show up, the way that where, where power is, is coming from, like all those things, like, is this actually like such a time as this mm-hmm. where different ways of leading are so desperately needed? Mm-hmm in the church right now and what sort of healing movement of God could come. Yeah. And that's why I gen- genuinely shudder when women are barred from those places, right. uh, the, the devastating loss that happens. Yeah. Um, but, but the positive side of what could be the ways, what could women in these positions offer yeah. um, for the healing yeah. of all. Yeah. Yeah. And I interviewed, uh, I think, you know, uh, Rob Brendel, you know, at Den- and Denver United and we were talking about, so that'll be, those of you who are listening, that'll be part of a series coming up 
um, on men and women in the church. And what our conversation, Katie, really could bridge both of those those things. But he's just talking about the need for congregations to have uh, fathers and mothers yeah, yeah. in that. So, yeah. Wow. So much to think about. Um, thanks for being on here. And I'll, those of you who are listening, I'll put uh, these links, things we talked about in the show notes, and you can check out some of our other episodes. But thanks for being in my kitchen while I'm up Thanks here. for having me. <laughs> get, I'm going to get a snack Let's now. go get a snack. So come on down. All right. Talk to you. See you in a minute. Okay. okay. Thanks, Andy.